Today's going to be part two of what I had originally planned to be a two-part series. But I've been led to add next week, I'm going to call it abandoned, to show you the result of idolatry and apostasy in the Old Testament. What did he do? What did God do? And what will he do in the New Testament at the result of idolatry and apostasy? So I hope you were here last week because it's going to be really hard to connect the dots if you were not. Last week we finished up with King Jeroboam building two golden calves and leading the northern kingdom of Israel into these two words, idolatry and apostasy. God had offered King Jeroboam. He was the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. God offered Jeroboam a kingdom. Everything is based around this. God offered this no bloodline Jew. He's not from the lineage of David. He offered him a kingdom equivalent to that of King David. But idolatry and apostasy took all of it away from him. I've compared this ancient Israel kingdom event to God, his offer to the Gentiles in the church age. I compared King Jeroboam's event to us today. Now, last week I told you, I took this picture in 2010. It's in a Christian church inside the old city of Jerusalem, just inside the Jaffa Gate. It is the oldest Christian church inside Jerusalem. And that's the scene. You understand that the olive tree in Romans is the church. And God has broken off two branches. He's broken off branches so that you and I, no bloodline Gentiles, can find a place in this tree of life, this life-giving tree called God's family. He's offered us what he offered Jeroboam, a place in the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that idolatry and apostasy will be the final scene for the church. I read that to you last week, rejecting the merciful kingdom that God has offered us, that instead of joining that tree, we'll rebel. When I say we, the church overall will rebel against God's offer. Now, let's continue with our Jeroboam story as the northern kingdom's first king. He did six things that God had strictly forbidden his chosen people. Idolatry and apostasy. Does it matter to God in the Old Testament? Does it matter to God today in the church? Here's the six things he did. Let me just recount them briefly. King Jeroboam made two golden calves and placed them on both ends of his kingdom's boundaries. It's called idolatry. King Jeroboam told them they no longer needed to go to the temple of God in Jerusalem to worship. Apostasy. King Jeroboam told them that these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt, referring to the golden calves. Idolatry and apostasy. King Jeroboam erected buildings at the pagan shrines and ordained priests from the common people, those who were not from the priestly bloodline of Levi. Apostasy. You see what he's doing? King Jeroboam instituted a religious festival in Bethel, held on the 15th day of the eighth month, a substitute, 
a substitute for the annual festival of shelters that God did require for his people. In that idolatry and apostasy both. Finally, there at Bethel, he, King Jeroboam himself, offered sacrifices to the calves he had made and appointed priests for the pagan shrines he had made. And he, the king, burned incense on those pagan altars. Idolatry and apostasy. Do you see it? So here's the question. How will God respond to King Jeroboam? Idolatry and apostasy in the kingdom, part two. Here we go. Is there a message inside of this event for the church today? Yes. Inside this ancient story of Israel is a warning to the church today. Before I read it, I must tell you that I believe what I'm about to read to you is one of the most fascinating prophetic events recorded in all the scriptures. And you know me, I'm a guy who studies Bible prophecy. And I'm going to tell you that this is one of the most fascinating prophetic events recorded in all the Old Testament. 1 Kings 13.1, Jeroboam's story continues. At the Lord's command... A man of God from Judah. Now, he's going to be a prominent guy, and they give him no name. You know what his name is? He's referred to a man of God from Judah. At the Lord's command, a man from God, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel. He's going to Jeroboam. Arriving there, just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar, that's the golden idolatry calf, approaching the altar to burn incense. Then, the, at, then at the Lord's command, he, the man of God, shouted, Oh, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you, altar, on you, he this future Josiah born from the dynasty of David, on you, he will sacrifice the priests of these pagan shrines who come here to burn incense. And, oh, altar, human bones will be burned on you, this altar. Now, why would I think this is one of the most fascinating prophetic events in the Old Testament? The child named Josiah that this man of God has brought out from the dynasty of David will not be born till 300 years after this prophetic announcement. 300 years. The best we can tell, it's about 360 years after this prophecy that King Josiah, a righteous king from Judah, a righteous king from the bloodline of David, would come and tear down these pagan altars that that, uh, Jeroboam had built and burn the pagan priests' human bones on them in fulfillment of this man of God prophecy with no name. Now listen. 
This man of God has approached the altar, the pagan altar of Jeroboam in Bethel and said this, God was going to tear it all down. Everybody listen. Idolatry and apostasy. God's going to tear it all down. He's going to eventually tear it all down. The end has already been declared. This incredible prophecy came from the man of God with no name as King Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Coincidence that this man of God shows up just at the right time? In the presence of King Jeroboam, you got to understand something, that the king had absolute authority and absolute power. You don't mess with the king unless you want to die, right? So this no-name man of God prophet, he comes and he makes this announcement in front of the king. In the presence of King Jeroboam, the man of God then gives a sign to prove that these things are from God and they are unstoppable and the end has already been declared. God is going to come and tear every bit of this down, Jeroboam. Your idolatry and apostasy, he's going to turn it all upside down. So he gives him a sign. Verse, verse 3. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said... The Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart and its ashes will be poured out on the ground. The first prophecy that, Jeroboam, that the man of God gave Jeroboam was distant future, 360 years from now. But this one is almost immediate. Remember, the man of God makes this prophecy in the presence of the king. He's in the presence of King Jeroboam. He is unafraid. He is, he's bold. You know, he's, he's prophesying against the king. Next verse, verse 4. When King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar, this this. Um, golden calf altar, when he heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he, the king, pointed at him and shouted, seize that man. Bad idea. But instead, the king's hand became paralyzed in that position, and he couldn't pull it back. At the same time, listen, in that moment when the king says, seize him and his arm is frozen, a wide crack appeared in the altar and the ashes poured out just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. Now I want you to stop for a moment and let this scene play out in your mind. These are real people. This is not a fairy tale. God, through this man of God, is revealing his anger against King Jeroboam, a man that was offered a kingdom equivalent to that of David. And yet he stands in front of a pagan altar of a golden calf. The fear of God, when I read this story, I think the fear of God was on both men, Jeroboam and the prophet. The prophet feared God more than the king, and that gave him the courage to speak that which might get him killed that day. 
Now, the fear of God is also on King Jeroboam because his hand has become frozen in place because of the words of this man of God prophet. Fear is a powerful motivator on both sides. Next verse, verse 6. The king cried out. King Jeroboam cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to the Lord and the king's hand was restored and he could move it again. Let me ask you a question. Who's in charge now? Who's in charge now? Seize the man! Who's in charge now? Please ask the Lord comes out of the king's mouth. God is able to humble the proud and the arrogant. God is also merciful. Do you see it? Because I do. He heard the prayer and he restored King Jeroboam's hand back to normal. This is where the story gets even more crazy. Idolatry, listen, apostasy, and I'm going to add a third event, a false prophet. Now, I'm going to say this a bunch of times today on purpose so that you can understand a biblical truth. Idolatry and apostasy both need prophets and messengers. Are you, are you listening? Idolatry and apostasy, they both need messengers. So I started the story last week with the fall of King Solomon. And how did he fall? He, he had these foreign wives that, that brought apostasy and idolatry into the kingdom. When Solomon married these women, they brought their idols and their apostasy with them. They, so uh, idolatry needs a messenger to carry it to other people. Apostasy needs a messenger to carry it to other people. There is a darkness that needs to be carried to other people. Jeroboam has these unholy priests at these pagan shrines. They're not, from, they're not Levitical priests. And they're carrying Jeroboam's apostasy and his idolatry to everyone around them. See, understand, just like the truth needs messengers, idolatry needs messengers too. They have to be carried. The spirit realm, good and evil, needs messengers to carry their message. Whether it be truth or whether it be a lie, the spirit world has messengers carrying a message. Some of it may be truth, that's the Holy Spirit. Some of it would be untruth, that's the unholy spirit. The man of God, the prophet, has done his job. He delivered the word of God to the altar at Bethel to King Jeroboam. He delivered the word of God. What happens next reveals the spirit war that I talk about all the time in the church age. What happens next is a spiritual war in the time of King Jeroboam. Verse 7, then the king said to the man of God, he's just given him his hand back, okay? The king says to the man of God, come to the palace with me and have something to eat and I'll give you a gift. 
But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. Why? For the Lord gave me this command. Now, this, this is really important. It's not that he just doesn't like the king. He said, the Lord gave me a very specific command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there. And do not return to Judah by the same way you came. This is a very specific command of God to this man of God. So he left Bethel and went home another way. Jeroboam now has a sense of fear and respect for this man of God and kindly offers him a meal. Now, for good or evil purposes, I don't know. The man of God reveals the clear and concise instruction from God that he's been operating under. And by the way, I want you to understand, it is really important that you and I operate under the clear and concise instruction of the Lord that has been given to us. It is very important. Does it matter? What do you think apostasy is? It is to depart from the clear and concise instruction of the Lord is apostasy. And what's the word he got? You must not eat or drink anything while you're there and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. Even if the king offers it, God has clearly said, don't do it. So don't do it. Why had God given such clear instruction about not eating or drinking in Bethel? I can't be for sure, only just to understand that to God, this place is unclean. To God, this place is pagan. Get out of there. It's pagan idolatry. Just, just deliver the message and get out of there. I want to say it again. Even if we don't know why, even if the Word of God, if you don't understand it, we must simply obey the Word of God. We don't have to understand it all to obey the Word of God that has been given to us. Idolatry and apostasy both need prophets. Listen carefully. Idolatry and apostasy needs messengers. They need messengers, false prophets. Just like the truth needs messengers, the untruth needs messengers. The spirit realm, which some people, even in the church, still don't get it, the spirit realm needs messengers to carry the message, whether it be the truth or whether it be the lie. They need messengers. Is the spirit war over in this story of Jeroboam? No, no. Started. Verse 11. As it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel. Old prophet. What's he doing in Bethel? If he's a man of God, what's he doing in Bethel? That's a good question. And his sons came home and told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. 
They also told their father what the man had said to the king. The old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed the father which road the man of God had taken. Quick, saddle the donkey. The old man said, so they saddled the donkey for the old prophet from Bethel, and he mounted it. And then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked the man of God, who has no name, are you the man of God who came to, from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. And then he said to the man of God, come home with me. Anybody listen? Come home with me and eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you're there and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. Now, that's the second time he's had to explain himself about not coming over for lunch. First time's to the king and now this old prophet. What's going on here? He understands God's word, doesn't he? He understands clearly. He has said out loud God's word. He gets it. Idolatry and apostasy both need prophets. They need messengers. Just like the truth needs messengers to carry the word. The spirit realm needs messengers to carry their message. Whether it be the truth or whether it be a lie. And before I read this next part, I need to share something. And this is important. Why were the old prophet's sons with King Jeroboam at the altar of Bethel that day when the man of God shows up. Why are they there? Coincidence? They had firsthand knowledge of the events at the pagan altar. Were these sons worshipers at the pagan altar? Or, more likely, were these sons actually priests at the pagan altar? It doesn't say exactly. But they're there in the midst of the idolatry and apostasy. They're, they're there on the scene. What That might explain this next part and the spirit war. Verse 18. But the old prophet is talking to the man of God. The old prophet answered, I'm a prophet too. Uh-oh. I'm a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me a command to override your command. Uh-oh. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. Ooh. So they went back. He fell for it. He had clearly heard the word of God. Don't eat there. Don't go back home the same road you came there. He knew the word. So they went back together and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. An angel told me. There's your first hint. If you notice, in both examples, the man of God said he'd heard a word from God. 
And now this false prophet says, but I've got an angel that gave me a new word. Everything else in the story is written like this, at the Lord's command. But now a man says, an angel has told him, idolatry and apostasy both need prophets. Idolatry and apostasy both need messengers, just like the truth needs messengers. The spirit realm needs messengers to carry their message, whether it be the truth or whether it be a lie. And this old prophet is a liar. There's a lot about the spirit war that I do not understand, but I do know this. This Paul's Jeroboam story, the apostle Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. The apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, writes this to the church at Corinth, a Gentile church that has been offered a place on the olive tree. He's writing to you and I because we've been offered a place on the olive tree, the tree of life. Verse 13, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 13. These people are false prophets. Paul's revealing the spirit war. These people are false prophets. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Satan is a liar. And he disguises himself as an angel of light. And you know what he does? Listen, church. He recruits false prophets to carry his lie to the people who are seeking truth. He carries a lie, and that lie leads them into idolatry, and that lie leads them into apostasy. But he needs messengers. He needs workers. He needs people. Paul also writes to the Gentile church in Galatia. Here's what he says. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. It's a spirit war. Let God's curse fall on anyone including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. This old prophet has deceived the man of God. It's a spirit war. How did he do it? How do they do it today? How does it happen today in the New Testament? By placing a lying word over the word of God. You see, this, this man of God had the word of God. Don't eat in Bethel. Go home another way. He has the word. But there's another messenger of Satan who comes and takes another word and puts it over top the word of God, creating this deception, replacing the truth with a lie. And here comes a big point. It doesn't say in the scripture that the man of God inquired of the Lord to know the truth. He just took the word that this guy had got a word from an angel. In that moment, church, let me tell you something. 
Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Lord, are you changing my instructions? Then you tell me. You reveal it to me. This is how idolatry and apostasy works. Then, in the Old Testament, now, in the church age, the spirit war needs messengers to carry the lie to the world. We must test the spirit. How do you test the spirit? How? You know the Word of God. You know the Word of God. And because you know the Word of God, somebody else can't come and give you something over top of the Word because you already know the Word. You know how you know the Word of God? You read and study the Word of God. That brings up something that's in, in my heart. On Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, we're going to open up Roots classes. And I'm asking you, why wouldn't you be in those classes? Because every one of those classes is teaching and helping us to understanding the Word of God. What do you have that's more important than understanding the Word of God so that the spirit war doesn't come and deceive you into idolatry and apostasy? There's my plug for Roots for this week. Sign up. Get in a class. Grow in spiritual maturity so that you will not be deceived. This old prophet has deceived this man, and the deception, are you ready, is going to cost the man of God his life. This is serious. Next verse, verse 20. While they were sitting at the table, this is the man of God and the old prophet who's lied to him. While they're sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. It's coming to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord. You've defied it. And have disobeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. It's called apostasy. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat and drink. And because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. This time, the old prophet didn't get a word from an angel, or he didn't make up a lie, but a command from the Lord. Notice the penalty that is revealed in the, by, by the Lord in this scene. Your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. The place of the man of God's grave has changed because of this deception, listening to the lie over the truth. Now, some of you might say, well, that's not so bad. I don't really care where they bury me. Well, there's more to the story than that. Verse 23. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his own donkey for him. And the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion, as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road while the donkey and the lion were standing beside of his dead body. People who passed by saw the body lying in the road and the lion standing beside it, and they went and reported it in Bethel where the old prophet lived. 
And I got to tell you, that's a little bit worse than changing the location of your grave. It's how you went to the grave, I guess, that really matters. Verse 26. When the old prophet heard the report, he said, it is the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack and kill him. Then the prophet said to his son, saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey and he went out and found the body lying in the road. The donkey and the lion were still standing there beside it for the lion had not eaten the body nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey. Every time I read that, I wonder, would you be afraid to go up and pick up the body? There's a lion standing there. Did you notice that? So he, he lays the body of the man of God on the donkey and took it back to the town to mourn over him and bury him. Everybody listen, 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 listen. He laid the body in his own grave, crying out in grief, oh, my brother. This is where the man of God's original prophecy comes to play. I see grief in the old prophet. He knew his lie and his deception had cost this man of God his life. The old lion prophet has laid the body of the man of God in his own grave, and there's more. Verse 31. Afterward, the prophet said to his son, this is the old lion prophet, when I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message of the Lord, for the message the Lord told him to proclaim against the altar in Bethel and against the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. Idolatry, apostasy, and the false prophet that carried a lie. Why would the old false prophet want to be buried beside the man of God? the man of God, that he was guilty in deceiving. Why would you want to be buried next to him? Did he know something? This is what the old prophet prophesied to the man. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat and drink. And because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. There's the prophecy of the old lion prophet, who in this case is telling the truth. So let's do something. I need to put it all together. Let's go back to the original man of God's prophecy at the gold calf altar in front of King Jeroboam when his arm is frozen. Seize him. Let's go back. 1 Kings 13, 1. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. And then at the Lord's command, he shouted, Oh, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you, altar, he will sacrifice the priests of the pagans 
shrines who come here to burn incense and human bones, O altar, are going to be burned on you. That's the original uh, revelation of the man of God. What human bones and when will it happen? On you, human bones are going to be burned. What human bones and when? God even reveals the name of the one that will be born from the dynasty and the lineage of King David. His name is Josiah. He is the future king of Judah. A man of God prophesied. This man of God prophesied that King Josiah would one day burn the bones of those pagan prophets on the altar of Bethel. One from the dynasty and the lineage of David was coming to settle up everything in the future. Now, everybody listen, listen, listen. Some of you are going to get this statement and some of you aren't. I hope you will by the end. One from the dynasty of David is going to come and settle everything in the future. One from the dynasty of David is going to come and undo all idolatry and all apostasy in the future. Can you see a shadow? Everything in the Old Testament is a revelation of Jesus. One from the lineage of David will come and settle everything, even for those who are in their graves and those who are not yet in their graves. One in the future from the lineage of David, from the bloodline of David, is going to come and settle everything. And all apostasy and all idolatry will be dealt with when he comes. There's one more verse in 1 Kings chapter 13. One more verse. But even after this, after all this man of God story, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil ways. He continued to choose priests from the common people. That's apostasy. He appointed anyone he wanted to become a priest for the pagan shrines. And this became a great sin and resulted, and this became a great sin and resulted in the utter destruction of Jeroboam's dynasty. From the face of the earth, this man was offered a kingdom equivalent to David, and now he is utterly destroyed. Why? From the face of the earth, removed. Why? Idolatry and apostasy. Does it matter? He had been offered a kingdom equivalent to David. 326 years later, are you with me? 326 years later, in the southern kingdom of Judah, there was one born from the lineage of David. His name is Josiah. I want you to compare this description of King Josiah in Judah to this pagan King Jeroboam in Israel 300 years before. What a difference between these two men. Both kings. 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. 
And he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. His mother was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah from Boscoth. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. There you go. He did not turn away from doing what was right. It was under King Josiah that the people found the book of the law. I hope, hope this is not an unfamiliar story. If you study the scripture, you would know what. He's the king that found the book of the law. That it, the abandoned word of God in the Jerusalem temple. And he read it out loud to all the people. And all the people went into repentance when they were confronted by the word of God. As he read it out loud. What a difference between this king and Jeroboam. 2 Kings 23. Then the king, Josiah, summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with all the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There, King Josiah read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. And all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. That's a king like David. And guess what happens next? Da, 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 da. Here we go. This is my favorite part, by the way. This is 320 360 years maybe after the man of God goes and confronts Jeroboam. King Josiah fulfills the 360-year-old prophecy of God. Here it comes. It's recorded in the Scripture. 2 Kings 23. The king, Josiah, also tore down the altar at Bethel. The pagan shrine that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had made when he caused Israel to sin. He burned down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. Then Josiah turned around and noticed several tombs in the side of the hill. He, King Josiah, from the lineage of David, he ordered that the bones be brought out of the tombs and burn them on the altar at Bethel. Sound familiar? To desecrate it. This happened just as the Lord had promised through the man of God when Jeroboam stood beside the altar at the festival 360 years earlier. Then Josiah turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God. Remember? He's the guy that's been buried in the old lion prophet's grave. Josiah, 360 years later somewhere, then Josiah turns and he looks up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted all of these things. And what is that monument over there, Josiah asked. And the people of the town told him, it's the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very things that you have just done on the altar at Bethel. And Josiah replied, leave it alone. Oh, God's sovereignty, leave it alone. He's burning every one of the bones. 
All of these pagans, they're all getting dug up and burning their bones. Leave it alone. Don't disturb his bones. So they did not burn the bones, his bones, or those of the old prophet from Samaria. Now they're buried in the same grave, right? They did not burn his bones or the old prophet's bones. And then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. They had built, they had built by the various kings of Israel and had made the Lord very angry. He executed the priest. He executed the priest at the pagan shrines on their own altars. He killed them on their own altars, and he burned human bones on the altars to desecrate them. Finally, King Josiah returned to Jerusalem. Now, do you see why the old false prophet asked his sons to bury him in the grave next to the man of God? This was the only way for him to escape the coming fire. Idolatry and apostasy in the kingdom. Everybody listen to me. One day a king from the lineage and the dynasty of David is going to come and settle accounts. Fulfilling every prophecy, every word of God recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And his name is not Josiah. His name is Jesus. He is coming to destroy all idolatry and all apostasy from his kingdom, even those in their graves. Is anybody listening? Jeroboam was offered a kingdom equivalent to that of David. The Gentile church, us, right now, have been offered a place on the olive tree. He broke off these branches and offered you and I a place in the kingdom of God. That's God's mercy. His grace is wonderful. The kingdom of God. The offer was real then. The offer is real now. I told you last week that King Jeroboam and the church end in the same way. Some of you don't want to hear it, but I've got to tell you, the Holy Spirit compels me to tell you the truth. Jeroboam and the church both end in the same way. Yesterday, I was reading the news, and there's a famous preacher. I'm not even going to mention his name, down in Atlanta. He's the same preacher that a few years ago said the Old Testament is a stumbling block to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's a famous preacher, one of the largest churches in America. And I read yesterday that he assembled a bunch of preachers, prominent preachers to a meeting, and in that meeting he announced that he's come to a new revelation of truth. And immediately I thought of this false prophet from Bethel. 
Is there idolatry and apostasy in the church today? Yes. Yes. Some of you will say, well, you know what, preacher? We don't have a golden calf. We have no pagan shrines. Satan is way too clever for that. In Colossians 3, verse 5, this is a letter to the Gentile church of the last days. And here's what he says. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. And some churches obviously can't read. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. And some churches only want to focus on this one side. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. There's a spiritual war. And don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an what? Say it out loud. Idolater. And you know what? If you study the scripture and understand what that means, you know what that is? It's materialism. It's this covetous desire for more and more and more and more and more stuff. Now, we don't have that in the church, do we? We don't have that in our lives. We don't have that in America, do we? This insatiable desire for more and more and more stuff. Idolatry. Apostasy. He says, get rid of it. He says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of the world. We, we don't have that in church. I've said it on multiple occasions. In America, the church attendance is slowly dis declining. Not, not slowly, quickly declining. And even those who come to church, listen, because it affects you. Even those who come to church, come to church half the time. The average church attendance in this church is about 53%. Maybe come 26 times a year. But we don't have idolatry. We don't have apostasy. Well, what are you worshiping? Who? This is the truth of God's Word. Don't listen to the false prophet of our day telling you that everyone goes to heaven. You know what it's called? It's called universalism. It's become a very popular doctrine in the church age. This universalism that God's grace and mercy, everyone really goes to heaven because God's just really a nice guy. The man of God was deceived by the old prophet. How? How did the man of God get deceived by the old prophet? He allowed an untruth to be laid over top of the truth, and he took the easy one instead of the original one. And here's what Jesus says. Matthew 24, 9. He's talking about the end of time. Here's what it's going to be like. Then you're going to be arrested. You're going to be persecuted, and you're going to be killed. You will be hated all over the world just simply because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me, and they're going to betray each other, and many false prophets will appear, and they're going to deceive many people. And sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many, in every translation, that many, most, 
means that only a few are going to hold on. And the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Romans 1.25, apostasy. They traded the truth of God for a lie. They tr- this is it. This is apostasy. Is it in the church? Yes. They traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise forever. Worship of creation. Climate change. It's the worship of creation. Rejecting the God who created and worshiping the created instead of the creator. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there's a great rebellion. There's the apostasy. It's against God. And then the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will be revealed, and he will bring destruction. He will bring the tribulation upon the earth as the church, the legitimate sons and daughters of God, are taken to the wedding supper. Everybody listen. One day, the dynasty and lineage of David. One day, there is one from the dynasty and lineage of David. He's going to come and settle up everything. And it's interesting that he is a lion from the tribe of Judah. What met the man on the road and stood next to him? A lion. There is a lion from the tribe of Judah who is one day from the lineage of David going to come and settle all accounts. The king from the lineage of David is coming and he will deal with the living and he's going to deal with the dead, the living and the dead. It won't matter if you're in the grave or out of the grave. He's going to settle up. One, his name's not Josiah. His name is Jesus. Josiah is a shadow of one is coming. Matthew 7, 21. The scripture nobody wants to read in a church. I'll read it. Jesus says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There goes your universalism. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Anybody listening? On judgment day, many, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I, Jesus... The one from the lineage of David who comes to settle the accounts of the living and the dead. I will say, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Idolatry and apostasy in the kingdom. It destroyed Jeroboam. It destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And it comes to destroy the work of the church today. Do you know how it ended for Jeroboam? This idolatry, this apostasy. Do you know how it ended? Ended for Jeroboam, 2 Kings 17, 21. For when the Lord tore Israel away from the kingdom of David, 
They chose Jeroboam, son of Nebat, as the king. But Jeroboam drew Israel away from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. And the people of Israel persisted in all the evil ways of Jeroboam. They did not turn from their sins until the Lord finally swept them away from his presence. That's how it ended. He sweeps them away from his presence. Just as all the prophets had warned, so Israel was exiled from the land to Assyria where they remain to this day. And by the way, that'll be next week's topic. It's called abandoned. The 10 northern tribes, if you study world history, the 10 northern tribes under Jeroboam disappeared. Why? Idolatry and apostasy. It's in the church. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. There is one coming from the lineage of David. The lion from the tribe of Judah. He's coming. And he's going to settle all accounts for the living and the dead. Everything will be settled. And you're in Christ or you are not in Christ. You are redeemed or you are not redeemed. And idolatry and apostasy is real and it's in the church. No one wants to preach this message. I don't want to preach this message. The Holy Spirit compels me to preach this message. When he comes, will he find you faithful? You know, it's mind-blowing to me that the man of God was so easily deceived by the false prophet. It's kind of frightening to me. You know what? Stick to the Word. Church, stick to the Word. If he'd have stuck to the Word, the lion would not have killed him on the road. Stick to the Word. He knew the Word, and yet he allowed somebody else to take him away from the Word. Stick to the Word, but the church doesn't even know the Word. So a false prophet, it'd be easy to tell you, let me tell you what God really said. Stick to the Word. We're going to sing a song. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. That's between you and Him. But we're going to offer an invitation today. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you today, the only answer is yes, Lord. Let's stand.